Hi, I'm Joel. And I'm Kishan. And this is Tea for Two. This is our BFF podcast where we talk about anything from science to popular culture, the arts, and life in Singapore. Hi everyone, it's me, Joel, a playwright and performer. And I'm Kishan, a science educator. And welcome to a special edition of our podcast, Tea for Two at Sea! Should I say like a foghorn, you know? <laughs> so, this yeah. is our very first, or should I say, maiden attempt <laughs> at doing an onshore, offshore recording because, as many of you already know, I'm on a cruise and Joel is not. Yeah. So, we thought, hey, Hey, you know, with the magic of technology, why yeah, do something special, no, right? Something a little bit wild. So I'm on a cruise ship recording, and Joel is at home recording, <laughs> and we're doing this live Correct. through the magic of internet. Hey, the wind very strong on your side, ah. <laughs> Yes, the wind is really strong. I don't know if you can hear all of it in the background. Uh, yeah. So tell our listeners at home um, how your stupid cruise is going, please, Kishan. It's actually been really nice, just relaxing, lounging, and reading. But there's a lot of kids at home, and it's. Um, Kish, are you there? Kish? Kish, we lost you for a bit. Are you there? Yeah, uh, Kish, you were saying something about... Uh, huh? What? No, it's fine. I can hear you perfect. Hello? Hello? Kish? Give me one picture of Sangria. Yeah, yeah, the white Sangria. Thanks. Uh, yeah. You can't hear me, is it? Hello? Kish? Kish? Kishan? Kishan Kumar Singh? Uh, sadly, it seems we've lost Kishan at sea. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, thankfully, we got guest host today. Yay! <laughs> hey, Kishan. Dear listener, please welcome Joe Kang on the show. Joe is a good friend of Kishan and I from our uni days. Yes, yes, yes. It's great. That, it's great that we've had, like, yeah. our friendship has survived so many Despite things. Despite all the many oceans that separate us, used to separate us, oh, we're yeah, yeah. friends. Because, like, uh, for a long time, Joe used to live in the USA. Mm. And then like now he's recently moved to London. Yeah. So we've actually been in the same city for almost a year now, right? I mean, you haven't been in London, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just say first, uh, like you come back to Singapore from COVID only. You don't expect to leave. I've been here nine months wow. already. <laughs> That's kind of thing, mm, Yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, tell our listeners what you do yeah. for do for a living, Joe. Uh, I'm a professional gay. Oh, I see. Do you mean a professional homosexual? <laughs> No, actually, this- actually, I realized cannot say professional gay because you know now it means different things. Uh. sorry, I don't have only fans, so I'm not professional enough, lah. Huh? Wait, oh, you mean like oh, is it like prostitute? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think it was? Mean? No, I just thought like a professional. Okay, but my my hair, a professional gay is someone who's just very good at the faggotry. Uh, yeah, lah, prostitute, lah. Oh. <laughs> no, but so- what actually what actually do you do? Oh, so I am a software engineer. Oh, okay, you're uh, a prostitute. La. Wow, <laughs> very rude, very rude. Yeah, in service of uh, the big tech, uh, yeah. the big tech brother in the sky. Which we are now all trying to bring here. La, huh? so, what do you mean? I said, you know, Singapore always trying to bring in the tech talent. Oh, correct, correct. So you want me back. La. Yeah, I think yeah. Singapore really wants you back, Joe. <laughs> Would you stay? Oh, that's why Singapore invented COVID, right? Yeah, so correct. <laughs> yeah, Singapore invited COVID, so you'll bring all the, the, the Singaporeans the, back. Yeah, all the brain drain come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which has lot. Be fair. Mm, so. Correct. You're back. I'm back. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs>
All right, so for today's episode, because we have the luxury of Joe Kang in the room, he's mm-hmm. like a really bright mind, a good friend, and a very political, and he's been an activist in in his in his own time, right? We thought we'd do a kind of deep dive on the Aware Podcast saga that's kind of out there, and I think many of you have listened to it. And I, Joe, and I have been listening yeah. to it, and Kishan's been listening to it as well. And we've been so gripped by it, and we think that it offers so many ways into so many different topics in about life in Singapore right. from like politics to being gay and you know especially with regards to its most recent episode 3 which just dropped today Yeah. so I feel like it's going to be a really interesting wide ranging conversation that springs off from like this podcast yeah yeah no I listened to it on the, the the grab here and I tell you I have so much to tell you I'm so excited okay let's go let's go so we're now listening to this podcast called Saga. Oh my god. About the Aware Saga. What that else? happened in 2009? 2009, 2009, you're 2009. right. Um, I don't it, know how... It's a 12-part like podcast, right? Which is like insane to me that you can tell this story over 12 parts. <laughs> Let's start with that. Yeah. But then like it's releasing every week or something like that. Mm. And it's just like... It has been one of the most intense listening experiences of my life. Like, I, I swear, right? Like, I, I get, like... I think I get hives listening to it yeah, because yeah, it's yeah, so yeah, triggering. Yeah. yeah, it's a very... I, have a, I get very visceral reactions to it. Like, my the hair on my arm stand. Yeah. Then it's like... Because, you know, obviously... Um, it happened during our lifetime. It happened to girl. We're only thirty plus years old, but it happened when we were we were conscious <laughs> and like we were conscious at the time, yeah. right? Two thousand, two thousand, and like to some of our our Gen Z listeners, two thousand and seven feels like ancient history, mm. but really it was only what like thirteen years ago. Yeah, yeah. Two thousand and nine. This happened in 2009. Oh, 2009, which yeah. is like eleven years ago. Eleven, uh, eleven years ago. Yeah, and this was also a time when we were entering uni, so you know, a little bit more political. Oh yeah, we woke. were we were those kids, <laughs> right? We were the baby woke kids at the time. We were all yeah. like. Nye! Yeah. yeah, I mean to be fair, so Singapore doesn't have that much political drama. So like you know when when things happen, people pay attention. People are correct. Aware, uh, aware. correct. People are aware. aware. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Aware Saga is basically the story of how Aware, which is Singapore's like leading feminist organization that is like a civil society group that mm. organizes around what do they organize around like women's rights women's rights sex education legal clinics that uh, have helpline yeah which is very all-encompassing right yeah and you know the main thing is to basically uh, provides uh, services and advocacy for for women right right so we- yeah, yeah the aware saga was basically a story of how in 2009 and this is not a spoiler because it's like wikipedia also got yeah. right it like, happened yeah it happened spoiler <laughs> it's it happened. history it's spoiler <laughs> it happened please uh, educate yourself <laughs> so a bunch of like women from the same church right mm. Coniston community church which mm. is a kind of like quite um conservative right-wing evangelical ch- christian church right mm-hmm. decided to basically infiltrate aware um, by by hijacking their election mm. process for their ex-co, right? Yeah, it's, it's very insidious, right? Because like, you're basically using democracy, yeah. right? Because yeah. they have this fair elections process yeah. to get into this organization and take yeah. over them. Yeah, I remember at the time, just completely galvanizes the nation because it was so horrific and mm. gripping. And then like, as the story escalated and it became the, you know, and then all these people turned up at Suntec City to yeah, yeah, join yeah, them. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. like, wow, our country got this kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> No, but you must also remember that this happened over a very short period of time. Correct, it was right? very concentrated, from, yeah. From when sort of the, the elections happened to when we were at Suntec City, I think it was probably a matter of weeks, mm. probably a couple weeks. Mm. And so not only was this like drama in Singapore, it was live drama happening, you know, very successively, yeah. you know, in front of our eyes. Like, yeah. 
and then we get to participate some more. Correct. So very exciting, lah. Yeah, it's like you know, like in Singapore, right? There are very f- opportunities for actual participative <laughs> democracy. Very far and few between, mm. right? So God already is just like wow, mistake, and then it's like wow, such a great story. And so like this podcast is doing this amazing thing of like more than ten years past the fact is mm. now retelling the story. And I think what is and what is so like gratifying about it is the fact that it's t- retelling the story with all the the weight of the past 10 years right mm. and I think like a conclusion that so many people have reached having listened to it is that oh actually things haven't changed very <laughs> much um, but I guess like we could talk about we could start this little review by talking about what we actually really love about the podcast mm. so like what is it for you so for me it is very reminiscent of uh, a lot of sort of investigative journalism right, right, podcasts right. that I used mm. to listen to you know on or even, or even just straight up documentaries. Or documentaries, right? yeah. which I love as a as a as a genre. I, right. I really love watching documentaries on, on Netflix in yeah. general. And so this sort of reads, it doesn't read it listens like that, right? Yeah. Um you know It's very uh, it's very stylish, right? right? First of all, it's like written and directed by like the filmmaker Jasmine Ng. So it's got a very film film quality mm. to it, even though it's odd. And it's presented by the journalist uh Bharati Jagdish, right? So it's got like this very like well produced sound to it and mm. it's like very immersive and then got like walking sounds, clapping sounds, yeah, and yeah, then like yeah, it's yeah, intercut yeah. with like interviews with um key players mm. and all of that. So it really feels like a like a documentary or yeah. like like I like to call it true crime documentary. <laughs> <laughs> because let's face it, right? This is true crime. It was a, it was a I mean, yeah. it's not technically illegal, no, la, but no, you know. No. But what I like the most is that each, each episode is like fairly standalone, right? Mm. And then towards the end, there's this hook, there's this beautiful hook of like, right. stay tuned next time on Saga. Yeah, so it's very like, like, I can totally see this being greenlit for Netflix documentary because the story is so potent, mm-hmm. it's so dramatic, and it's so like... um relevant I guess like mm. it's not it's a Singapore story but like the story that is telling about kind of like the culture war is mm. so I guess like universal to use that irritating term right yeah and I mean the the, the story is, is not a super complex one it doesn't have that many players so it's very easy to follow right um, I mean the, the actual story maybe can be it's like three parts right mm. it's like gonna infiltrate and then like oh my god what happened and then like kick them out yeah. but like it, there's a lot that's packed into each bit of the story that has to do with like you know, the, the broader social, historic, political context in Singapore. And like you were saying, the framing of um, this each episode is really unique unto itself, right? Mm. So it's like in the first episode, they were doing a kind of broad introduction of the of aware and what and the story and what happened. But the second episode is oh. where it got really like juicy. The second right? episode is super interesting. Yeah. Are, so in the second episode, it does this really powerful thing where it talks about the founding of aware, but in the context of the graduate mother scheme yeah. in the 80s, which is like, what I mean, first of all, like if I mean if you know these things, you know these things, mm. right? But it's just to be reminded that there was a time when like eugenics was actually national policy in this country. Uh, wow. Excuse me, uh, I mean today <laughs> you still have the what Singapore development? I don't know all these different ministries funding like you know NUS orientation. Oh, correct, 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 correct. What's like, it called? What is, what? SD, social SD, development. Uh, SD, SDU, SDU social yeah. development unit. <laughs> To, time we, yeah, to go like, and fund all this like oh, orientation yeah. camp where you know the boy and girl they yeah, no, see specifically thought, uni, grad, yeah, grad, uni, uni yeah. students <laughs> right who then meet each other and oh, all both uni ones so the children must be very smart yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah so like you know the graduate mother scheme it's just like Star Wars right the the, the Emperor Palpatine is destroyed but then the Sith remain mm. <laughs> it's the same story here sorry I think about politics is very Star Wars yeah, one yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I mean, like, the great thing about the framing is that it reminds you that you know these things aren't isolated right. no no controversy is isolated and that aware isn't just a women's organization it arose from a really 
profound political resistance to right. use eugenics like you 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 eugenicist ideas mm. and um and then like in that very same episode then it brings up like operation, operation spectrum, spectrum yeah which for for listeners who don't know operation spectrum was basically um in the year that i was born 1987 oh, okay. this yeah like uh, a bunch of like i think catholic social workers mm. playwrights including yeah. like um you know, founders of Na- uh, necessary stage Avintan and Harish Sharma mm. much of other people were just rounded up inexplicably right. and accused of being marxist, marxist. conspirators and you know ha- and they've all like roundly denied it right, right. but they were detained without trial and yeah. it was like a very bizarre inexplicable moment in our political history that, and, and it yeah. just so happened right that some of the people who were round up were aware members oh yeah which is how you know they made that link right right yeah and it's like and how that you know this one incident and the, the podcast makes this amazing point about how like le- that left the chill over civil society for mm. many many years Operation Spectrum has become baked into the DNA of your average Singaporean whether or not they realise it mm. it's this culture of fear of, resi- of reticence of not wanting to shake the board off and then you know and and you you don't have to look very far in our past to see of present yeah or present basically is what i was gonna say right like you look at you know jolivan Wem and how you know the persecution of um of 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 activists Activists, and 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 dissidents and yeah it's still continuing and like um it's just constantly reminding you that like the political context in singapore is alive and it's all interconnected Mm. and it's not just about aware it 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 magnetizes all kinds of different things yeah Yeah. and i don't know about you but you know, during that time, I was actually quite involved in civil society. So mm. I was running like sort of like uh, conferences on human rights and all that. And so, you know, I actually was, I actually know J- Jonathan and like I know a, a bunch of people uh, in sort of who knew what was happening and when. That's how I found out, right? Like mm. they, you know, they started saying like, oh, this and that happened. I'm like, oh, what's happening? And that's how I found out about the aware mm. thing in the first place. Um, and so for me, you know, it's not just like a story that happened during our time, but mm. it was actually like I knew these people. Mm. These were real people to whom these things have happened to and you know uh, you know n- nowadays I don't I'm not really an activist la. you know last time it's like wow activists go and uh, uh, um, do human rights things la. go and do HIV tests and gay club la. <laughs> now it's like yeah can come home and eat can, can sleep very good already. yeah and actually they, they talk about this in the podcast as well right mm. like how you know a lot of the, the sort of earlier um, members of AWARE eventually it was like oh you know they had other projects yeah. so they got very tired because yeah. It's burnout, lah. It's burnout. Yeah. You know, when you're doing these things, there's really no end, right? Firstly, there's no end. You can keep doing. You can keep trying to fight for more human rights, more equality, uh, fighting for feminism. Mm. Uh, but then when you're fighting it, plus an uphill battle right. where everything you everything you try uh, cannot, mm. everything you do cannot shut down. Mm. Then it's like. Very, very, very tiring. I la. feel like a natural part of any activism or any kind of like work where you're fighting against the t- status quo is always going to be a bit tiring. But mm. you add to that fear, mm. then it's just like another ball game, right? right. Because it's like, yeah, please, like, do we really need this like fear for our, you know, fear for my person yeah, yeah, yeah. to be to be worked into that mix? Yeah. But um, another aspect of the show that I find so interesting and it it it, it hit me only in the most recent episode, episode three, right? Mm. Was just how actually. Like it's, it was a very stressful listen I have to be honest mm. episode 3 because it, it, it really digs up some stories about you know some really homophobic language some really homophobic stories and and, and it, it kind of brings to light the strategies of like the anti-gay right wing in Singapore and I just forgot how actually fucking triggering yeah. it, it all is because I grew up in that context right, right. I grew up in the evangelical right wing Christian church and yeah. it was for me just like being brought back to that headspace and being brought back to 
to that time was very triggering. Yeah. And like, it just makes me think, actually, this podcast is turning into a horror show. <laughs> <laughs> it's a horror, leh. Yeah, I mean, it's full of horror, right? It's a, it's a horror show. And then, you know, the way they tell the story, right? It's not just like, oh yeah, here's what happened. Here's Correct. what happened. They're bringing clips, you know, obviously, because this was an AGM, so everything oh, yeah, was yeah. recorded, yeah. right? Oh my God. Right. And then they brought in clips from, from you know, during the AGM when, when everyone got very excited. Yeah. You know, they, want, they wanted you to hear the, the sort of the, the emotions that yeah. were going through the air. Yeah. You know, and, and so, I think like it, it's such a great podcast because like it really immerses you in what happened yeah. right? so the show is doing things like that mm. which is like it's really digging up this stuff and putting it in your face making and contextualizing it and it's, it's you know why I say it's horrific it's horrific because it's to me right this whole aware saga thing all of this was still just a prelude mm. to what is happening today today which is why I think this this podcast is so culturally significant, right? Because like, you know, it's achieving all this really in astute political criticism and it's, re- it's drawing links between moments in history and different kinds of policies and how they all add up to tell a story of like uh, unfreedom in this country and the struggle for rights and the culture war that we are embroiled in, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's, that's, it's significant. For that alone, it's significant. Right. But I think what makes it even more significant is that it's contextualizing our society now to a younger generation who maybe who didn't, never, yeah, right, who, who didn't may, go through this, who didn't, yeah, correct, this event or this saga, right, and who really have no memory of what happened. And sure, it's like it's 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 like it's very important to archive these things, lah, and to contextualize them because it's like you know the the moment we are living in doesn't grow out of nowhere. Yeah, no, it's very interesting that you say this is a prelude because mm. you know I'm listening to this podcast and I'm like. No, it's not the same one. And, you know, I'm hearing a lot of the things that are being that were said, mm. right? So this is reporting, this was actually said and recorded. And are now, you know, sort of being said in, in, in the discourse again, the same, same rhetoric, the same narrative. No, you know being... what has changed? Mm. What has changed is like um, civil society itself. I think civil society has gotten more robust. Mm. I think civil society has become stronger and it's become more... Uh, has become has become savvier. Right. Civil society has benefited from the internet. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, a younger generation that's more politicized, that's more plugged in, that's more aware, that's more uh, aware, that's yeah. more <laughs> angry. Right. And that's more vocal. Yes. And you can just look at the successive elections that we've had in this country and how they've been shaped by different forces and all of that. Right. It's like shortly after this thing with aware, like the twenty eleven. GE happened, right? Mm. And then from there we've just seen the 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 way in which civil society and 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 you know progressive um politics has right. really benefited from the internet. What so I mean all this is to say that what hasn't changed right. is <laughs> what hasn't changed is yeah. the state definitely hasn't changed. Because I was just thinking about how so when I was researching this aware thing, just reading around it, right? I saw this statement that Lee Sen Long and I think later um Teo Chi Hien made about um, gay rights, right? And oh. they trotted out the whole like you can't, you know, we have to take a, a measured approach. You can't ask for rights too soon because you invite a pushback. Yeah. And it just made me think that not too long ago when Teo Chi Hen was on my doorstep, right? right, And, you know, I, I was engaged in a debate with him. He said the exact same thing. And this yeah. is more than 10 years after, you know, um, the Aware Saga, the, the, the 2007 review of the Penal Code. Right. Every time this issue comes up, right, the government's position on it has remained completely basically the same we are not throwing people in jail be happy with that you yeah. know what I mean and and it's like that hasn't changed but like every, the context around this conversation has evolved so much and it's sort of interesting that we take this perspective of like oh you know sometimes it's when the people's voice people's voice matters then we do certain things right when like 
it really depends on what you're talking about. Sometimes the people's voice matters. Sometimes when people say a lot of things, also the government disagree, then the government just do whatever the government want to do. La. Right, you know? Okay, th- <clears throat> but then, you know, this interesting thing of like how like Ping Dot, right? Like mm. all the, the big companies come in and then they sponsor Ping Dot. And then they say, okay, sorry, you cannot sponsor anymore. Then all the small companies have to come in and sponsor Ping Dot. So it's like, that's a, also the people's voice, right? Yeah. Right? So like, how many voice you want, then it's okay. Yeah, so I guess what you're saying, which Who's I think voice? It, yeah, you, that's such a great point, right? It's like, when you talk about voice, what is that voice and how is that voice expressed? Right. Right? So it's like, do we take people's actions into consideration? Do we take people's like suffering into consideration? Mm. Should someone suffering weigh more than someone's outrage? Should someone's suffering weigh more than someone's like uh, in principle opposition to right. an idea or yeah. a lifestyle as they like to call it? So like these things are real things that happen, especially now in COVID. Uh, you know, if there are gay couples out there and one of them falls sick and go hospital, then you're just a friend. Leh. Yeah. Right. So like these things do matter. Yeah. You know, whether or not there are p- sections of our society that, that think that it's wrong, whatever, like it's not infringing on your right. You can still have this opinion that it's wrong. But for us, it's there are real effects, right? You know? And and to bring this back to the aware podcast, mm. right? Is the idea that there are people who are so, like, opposed to questions of people's fundamental dignity mm. and 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 all of that, right? That they would actually go and take over a women's organization, right? You know what I mean? Okay, so towards the end of episode three, right? Yeah, you know, uh, uh, there was this like. I think a new new member who then said, actually, we are trying to run an organization with these values. Yeah. If you all disagree with the values, you can start your own organization. Correct, right? correct, correct. No, no she stopped. was a she was a staffer at Aware, right. and then she was like, she yeah, was like, you can go and start your own organization. Exactly. Literally nobody, literally nobody is stopping you. Yeah. Right. But why you must kind of take over this? Why yeah, must you, you can infringe go, on other go people's and set up rights? like a conservative women's faction? Right. Yeah, please. Right. Because that exists in other right. parts of the world. Why do you have to go and like take over? So there's something about the cannibalism of it that is so. Violent, right. you know, and it just makes me think of how violently this kind of politics has expressed itself in Singapore over the years, right? Mm. I'm also thinking about like the pulping of Entangle Mix 3, which is another kind of like famous incident. Uh, there was a bo- uh, there was a children's book, Entangle Mix 3, about the gay penguins in a zoo that oh, picked- and yeah, then like yeah. some some Karen, Karen some Karen <laughs> or Martha or Cheryl or whatever <laughs> finds it and goes like, how can this be allowed? Right? And yeah. then um, and then NLB report, pulled the book, and right? And pulled the book and then, like, basically destroyed all copies of it, like, pulped it. There was something so violent about pulping a book, you know? In in the same way, there was something so violent about this infiltration of, of, of a women's... Of, of a women's... Uh, of a feminist society right. in Singapore. Because, because it's not just, you know, like, oh, yeah, we have opinions and we're going to express them. Yeah. It's that you literally researched and found a very specific book or organization to target. Yeah, not only target, right, but then, like, stage this military-level coup mm. or, like, campaign against it. It's like, it's, it's more than just, like, you know, oh, I disagree. It's like, no, not only do I'm I disagree, to I'm fight out it. to fight it and stamp it out. Yeah. That, that's the horrifying thing. Yeah. yeah. As a soldier, like, yeah. you know, like, there's some organizing group or entity behind it you know yeah no for sure they're very well organized and like you know it's, it's we've seen this over the years in Singapore it's, it, in, in all kinds of fields right uh, so it, it's letter writing campaigns mm. it's it's petitions it's counter petitions it's counter protests right do young people uh, you think Karen is bad 
Think of a group of Karen. Oh my god. Did organizing you, together. Did, like. you, did you see that meme going around of like a Trump rally where behind him is this group of like um blonde, middle-aged white ladies? So I just think of that every time, you know, I see one of these letter writing campaigns in Singapore. I'm just like, wow, who is serving the biscuits and tea <laughs> at like at the party where you're discussing how to take down the liberals in Singapore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow, what kind of tea do they drink? Just what what kind know. of bihun do what they serve? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> the bihun nicer now. <laughs> Better than the aware Better bihun. Than the aware. <laughs> no, la, the aware bihun nicer. That's why they go and take over. Ma. No, I can say having come from, you know, the conservative Christian right wing that the potluck is always quite good one. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, it's really, really... <laughs> The the right wing the right wing potluck is very tasty. <laughs> yeah, they know what they're doing. Maybe that's why I got so many members. <laughs> More than aware. Hey, aware are you listening or not? Your potluck uh, must, must have, be better. Must have better be who yeah, must have better be. Who. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about how sort of horrific it is and how immersive it is. And you know what? This was actually the first time I heard Julian speak. So No way, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. So um, I distinctly remember, like, I read her speech in the Straits Times. You never right? heard it. I never heard it. Because, like, parliamentary hearing. Uh, it's, like, on YouTube, by the way. Uh, okay. So, yes, after yes. this, we can go listen. After we can go yeah, listen. and then we can, like, um, cry. <laughs> <laughs> and in the context of, like, the podcast, right, basically in episode three, uh, for those of you who haven't listened to it, what happens is that they, they bring up the realiza- one of the, the aware members' realization that the people who were taking over like the the AGM were mm. in fact all from a very specific kind of like homophobic Christian background. Yeah. They and all wrote letters to they the all Straits ra- Times. They had so. all written letters to the Straits Times declaring this and they came from, you know, the same church and mm. all of that. And and, and Tio Li An was brought up um because uh the 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 podcast contextualizes all of this in the 2007 um, parliamentary review of the Singapore Penal Code, which was very controversial because, uh, for those of you too young to remember, (laughs) in 2007, the Singapore government decided, oh, let's repeal section 377 of the Penal Code, which uh, outlaws unnatural sexual acts, right? So basically, it repealed the law that criminalized anal and oral sex between straight people, between men and women, between right. anyone. Between la. anyone. Yeah, 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 anyone. But it retained Section 377A, yeah. which was the, the provision that said that it would still be cr- a criminal act between two men. Yeah. Right? And then, like, um, famously, Tio Lian, the who was at the time a nominated member of parliament, uh, went up to give a very incendiary speech in response to a parliamentary petition mm. uh, that had been led by um, some activists and that was fronted in parliament by nominated MP Siu Kam Hong, mm. um, so, uh, who, who you know, was arguing that it was unconstitutional and unfair and all that. And so Tio Li An, who was a law professor and NMP at the same time, goes up, and also a noted conservative right-wing Christian, uh, goes up in parliament and delivers this, like, now legendary <laughs> speech, which we've, which we've alluded to, right? Yeah. I think I think it's very important to to recognize uh Sukhum Hom's position in this, right? Mm. Which is that, you know, he argued from the fact that now I uh, got three seven seven A, but don't have three seven seven. So the A is just dangling there. Correct, right? just so a- like if you think about it from from a legal perspective, we have this law that is basically very discriminatory. It's very mm. intentionally designed for sex sex but anal sex sex between two men, mm. right? And you know he was arguing that uh, independent on whether this is gay related or not, this actually is a law that's very discriminatory 
and is is in violation of our constitution. Correct. Right. So that was his perspective. Yeah. Right. So yes, coincidentally, this law was about gay sex. Mm. Right. But from a legal perspective, this was actually talking about you know anti discrimination. It was talking about equally uh, equality for all in front of the law. Yeah. And then Tiolian come in and basically takes a giant shit <laughs> on the whole thing, like rhetorically speaking. <laughs> Like I mean, I've 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 listened. Okay, so you have. I'm I'm surprised and like impressed that in all these years you still haven't actually until today when you listen to the podcast had not heard Tiolian actually give the speech because the, the video is on YouTube and it's harrowing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So so you know back when it happened, I read it on the newspaper. Mm. Um, also because you know like you don't really listen to parliamentary hearings. No, so. yeah, exactly. So I read the newspaper and I think at this point I actually not come out yet. I was not. Not, not an official gay. Mm, you're not so, an official gay. You yeah, haven't so been I, given a membership card yeah, yet. So yeah, I haven't had, yeah, so I haven't had se- gay sex and all. <laughs> so anyway, so what happened was that I was reading, you know, reading Tolian's speech in, in the papers and mm. I was very taken aback by how graphic and how detailed it was. Right, because like she seemed to know more about gay sex than you did at yeah. the time. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, you sound He's like, like auntie, how come you know so much? <laughs> uh? Auntie, see you got to do before. Yeah, you're a lot of experience, huh? And so it was very, very harrowing to hear her say those things because you know it's one thing to hear in your own voice yeah. and then you hear the actual sort of the emotions that and, she said and she's sh- and she's such a show pony oh right it's like and the, you can hear the relish with which she's saying these things and she knows she's a consummate like theater professional she knows the power her speech is having okay yeah. it's very funny you say that because literally when i was listening to this you know the image in my mind right was her writing her script and laughing to herself at how amazing oh, the script was. I don't I, doubt that. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God. Like she was like, oh, let me choose this word and that word. And I was yeah, like, yeah. oh my God. Like I, it was just the most florid graphic speech that was meant to disgust people. And, and very angry when I heard this because it was like so distasteful to, to know that someone in the highest office in our land was making this kind of incendiary speeching, mm. incendiary speech, right? And then getting applauded for it at the end because the, the thing that I take away most from that speech was not so much her speech as it was the thumping of chairs. Mm. I will never forget the thumping of chairs mm. because it made me so angry at the time to know that the, the, the these people were so clearly hungry for an ambassador Right. An eloquent spokesperson, right. a front woman to come up and, and, and say all these things that they didn't have the intelligence or eloquence or perspective to say. And here she comes and just, you know, just burns down the opposition with, with this fiery, disgusting speech that when, you know, I listen back to it now, I realize actually, wow, so little of it has any rhetorical merit. There's no logic in it. It's, it's, yeah, she, yeah. yeah. So, so you know, she responded to Kam Hong and, you know, she said that, uh, you know, obviously, so he, he brought up the fact that 377 and 377A were, mm. were, were given to us very kindly by the, by British, the British, right? Yeah. And then her response to that was that, oh, that's uh, uh, chronological snobbery. Yeah, chronological snobbery. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, uh, sister, the one is called history. Yeah, la. sorry. It's not history. Chron- yeah. <laughs> history, you always look back and then you think, oh yeah, we did something wrong. Yeah. Correct. Oh my, even but, Theresa May at the Commonwealth, um, the meeting of the Commonwealth actually made a public apology on the part of the UK for discriminatory right. uh, and homophobic laws. I mean, granted, she made that 
that that that apology in the context of wanting to win like <laughs> you know uh, economic favors yeah. you know in, from a brexit ridden uk right but like you know sorry 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 so mm. boring right this topic but you know it, it's still it's significant to mark that is it chronological snobbery to talk about empire is yeah. not right yeah. yeah is it chronological snobbery to talk about slavery yeah. or like the or, or like or, 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 or women's suffrage you know yeah. it's like hello Julian. That's the history. La. Yeah, the history. La. Her, no, it's, it's, it's fact. <laughs> it's truth. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, growing up at the time and I was, like, in my... I was, like, 18, 19, mm. maybe 20, right? It, it was very depressing and actually very frightening, you know, to think that this is a society that you, I was coming into. Yeah. That I was coming out from, like, the Christian church where I knew that, you know, it was... Homosexuality was seen as an abomination and I... But then to come into this society and, and to see how at the highest level of our politics this was happening, it was a very dispiriting moment. Yeah. No, I, re- I remember, you know, I was reading in the papers and then I was not out and I had not sex before. So I was thinking like, wow, how can you say all these things about me? And I literally had nowhere to go to tell. Eh. Mm, like, I was just, no one to talk to. No mean? one to talk to. Yeah. I was just thinking about this on my own. Mm. You know, I there was no... I mean, the, the, the internet back in the day, there were some forums, obviously, mm. right? But like, you can't talk about this with your family. You can't no. talk... You can... you. Back in the, the those days, you know, I had very few friends who knew I was gay. Mm. Um, so like you you really have no place to go talk about these things, and you, you just feel like oh, you know, she's she's a uh, uh, NMP, right? She's a law professor. You know, she got to very high very high levels in society, right? You know, and then she's a woman somehow, right? Yeah, and so like it, it's hard to 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 sort of reconcile the fact that you know you have this very highly educated woman who's made a, a place for herself in, in this society you think about aware right and think about how like you know the, the world is stacked against women mm. and she's made this for this made this place for herself and that she's saying these things and I'm like wow Siala cannot win lah. I mean, just as a side note to that right it's like um, the story of Margaret Thatcher for example mm. shows us that that in a world that is so deeply distorted by patriarchy women often fall into the same kinds of positions you know and they in fact have to play very much the same game in order to reach that level of status which is not of course like you know to say that this is a universal truth or whatsoever but like, I think Tio Lian is very much an example of that kind of trajectory yeah. for, for, for women but I was just going to jump off what you were saying about how you know there were no avenues at the time when we were you know growing up in the in the knots right and coming to coming of age in the knots basically yeah. coming of age as it's a kind gay of, it's kind of crazy to think of the knots yeah. as like this like ancient time when we had no rights and now some of the rights are but no yeah we have we, we I think we have the same number of rights as we did back then oh. yeah, more or less oh. the same rights yeah. same number of rights yeah. count yeah. One mm. hand you know no no same number of rights I just oh. checked oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I just checked my gay not, card not yeah. plus one not, not minus plus, no, one no. Uh, minus oh. minus five right? minus yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, it's yeah. because like I remember at the time feeling not very alone because mm. uh, we had these great blogs that were maintained by people who just like had very strong uh, progressive mm. views. So I'm thinking specifically of like Yawning Bread by mm. Alex Ao. I, I don't know that he maintains the blog as regularly as he used to. Mm. I don't but think he, so he's like the granddaddy yeah. of like uh, social political bloggers in Singapore and very, you know, um, noted gay rights activist. Right. And like I was... Sing- I mean, he single-handedly politicized me. Mm. So like, when I was in JC, I started reading Yawning Bread and like he really put a lot of things into perspective for me. Like he 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 was the one who sensitized me to the fact that we 3778 was a thing in Singapore. Oh wow. And like uh, I learned a lot about Singapore society and politics through yeah. him and that blog. And yeah. so like, you know, at that time the whole blogosphere was alight 
with fury over this thing, right? And so that, 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 that I didn't feel so alone because right. I was part of that world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's very interesting because, you know, this was a time when blogging was becoming popular. Like, mm. back then, we didn't have the term blogosphere. We didn't have the term social no, no. media. Yeah, we didn't have the term social media, right. but the and term so, was blogosphere. Right. Yeah. So, so you know, like, I remember reading, you know, a lot of his pieces and A, obviously, writing about gay rights mm. and like, oh, speaks to me. But also, like, the writing was very good. He's right? a fantastic writer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, I actually... And, and he doesn't just write about gay rights. Right, he writes about a lot of other things. A lot of other things. But he also writes... Um, he also has some really lovely personal essays mm. that he wrote about his own, you know, his own desire and yeah. his own dating life and everything. So it was yeah, really so nice. I, yeah, so I actually, you know, got to know him because, you know, back in the day, I was uh, a little bit involved in, in in sort of civil society, social activism work. Mm. You know, I was in like Simo Queer Street Alliance. I did the Human Rights Forum. I think as I mentioned before. And so a lot of my friends, you know, knew him, like, right? The activists... He's a very nice man and he just wants to push the boundaries a little bit. Like. I mean, obviously, you know... More I than think, a little bit. Like. A little yeah. bit he's, like. he's been brought to court multiple Correct. times for the things that he's written. Right. And yeah. you, you know, when, you're, when, when you read about these, when you read about people in the papers being mm. brought to court, it's, it's like, oh, drama, right? right? I think we actually get to know them as people, right? It's like, yeah, no, he is afraid. You know, he, he, he has concerns, but he knows that he's doing sort of the right thing, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's similar to gay rights in general. Like, right. These are how people's lives are. Right? Yeah, you know, we don't just want to talk about it because it's fun to talk about because we want to be incendiary or whatever. But right. these affects our lives and these are people. It, it becomes very real um, when you write about something and then you get thrown into court or you know, mm. government tries to sue you. It's very scary, lah. You know, it's one thing to be scared to be gay in Singapore. It's one thing to be scared to be uh, uh, an activist in Singapore, and then you get to know a person whose life is actually... Mm. I don't say in danger, but you know, like... No, it's in, in yeah, jeopardized. In, in, yeah. in jeopardy. And it's just very scary. It's right. very scary to be gay. It's very scary to be an activist gay. It's very scary to have an opinion right. about being gay and being right. an activist gay in Singapore. So, you know... So, yeah, I, I think about this a lot, right? About how... Like a very fundamental quality of being queer in the world is to be very political, mm. right? It's like it's not enough for queer people to just fight for gay rights or lesbian rights or you know the word is intersectional, right? Mm. It's like it's it's about a broad based approach to injustice, right? And I feel like that's not encouraged in in this country insofar as like yeah sure you can be gay but you don't be the kind of gay that you know rocks, rocks the, the boat. boat, which is ridiculous because it's like in a country where you know. Uh, in a country where you don't have equal rights to to exist and it is already to rock the boat, right? Yeah. So it makes me think about that thing PM Lee said recently about how, you know, he was at a tech forum, wasn't he? Yeah. And then he, 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 he was asked a question... Basically, he was talking about how Singapore is very welcoming to the tech community. And you work in tech, so I'll be very interesting to pick your brain about this, right? And he was pitched the question, um, what about gay people? Because Singapore, you know. um, And he says, what did he say? He was like, Singapore is, in fact, very welcoming to gays. There's no reason why gays... If you you belong to that community, then you should feel very welcome. Yeah, Yeah. if you're gay or you're you're in the LGBT community, there's no reason why you shouldn't fit in, I believe. Right, right. Right. So, I I mean, I was just trying to make the point that there's something very essentially very contradictory here about how what if you come I think basically what he's saying is like if you're the kind of gay who comes in who isn't going to be political who isn't going to shake the boat you're you're more than welcome welcome. yeah Yeah. but like I don't know like you work in tech so I'd be very curious to hear what you have to say about that as a gay tech person do you feel welcome in Singapore (laughs) as a gay tech person who used to be an activist right Mm. and you know like Part of me moving abroad to study and then to work was the fact that, you know, I lived in San Francisco, I live in New York, and now I live in London. Mm. This is some of the gayest, gayest places in the gayest world, places in right? The world. In, yeah. And, 
not in the sense that like, oh, I can quote unquote shove my gay lifestyle and down anyone's throat. But you know, like I can be myself, right? Yeah. And that that means like not looking, you know, uh, behind my shoulder and like, mm. oh, who's gonna report me? Mm. You know, if anything, I'm gonna write. It's gonna go send me into prison. Mm. You know, when I lived overseas, it was so freeing to to go everywhere and you see gay people holding hands. Mm. You know, you can talk to your bosses about your your same same gender partner. Mm. Um, you know, literally, I've called my boss's girl right at work. Right, and like the 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 freedom of doing that right means that I don't have to worry about all these things mm. means that I can be myself I can be my authentic self and that's one of the things that I learned when I was working overseas which is not it's not about being gay or not it's right. about being who you are right Right. it's about being your most authentic self so that you can focus on delivering good work so you can focus on the job so you can focus on not worrying about what's happening at home right. you know in and your home country or, or you know who's going to come and 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 and, and Round you up, whatever, right. <laughs> and so you know, as as a gay person hearing this, it's kind of like it's a bit disingenuous, right? Mm. To hear your prime minister say, "Oh yeah, you're very welcome." What? Right, because like you literally had to like run away, run there, away sister. to express you know certain aspects of your your identity in your life, and then you know from this country, you are a Singapore citizen. Yeah, and then like to hear your PM go, "Oh, actually, there's no reason why you wouldn't fit in here." Just runs so contrary to the actual lived experience. Right of being a queer person here, right? I mean, like, I myself have certain misgivings about this argument because I'm like, yeah, in some, in a way, I do believe that what PM Lee is saying is true in some sense because like, I feel like a certain kind of privilege and wealth is always going to defend you from discrimination, mm. even if you're gay. But, like, that aside, right? Like, the, the reality of being a queer person in Singapore is no joke, right? It's like, if you're, especially if you're a young queer person, you know, like, coming out into the world today feels a lot more free and open because, you know, of the internet and everything. But by and large, right, I still think that there, there are a lot of obstacles to, 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 living, to living free. It's, it's mental, psychological, right. spiritual. And it's, yeah, it's, I, I it's, mean, you, you know, you and I, we're gay, right? Yeah. And we're talking about it, it from largely... <laughs> I don't know. Uh, mm. new, 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 I just got my Yeah, let me, let me check my card. So you and I are gay. You know, can you imagine, like, in, uh, I was just looking through LinkedIn mm. and a lot of my previous companies are holding like uh, trans tech forum, you know. Trans tech uh, forum. Yeah, non-binary forum. Like, mm. we can't even start to think about all these different ways of identifying, of being your most authentic self. Right. When we're, we're stuck at the frontier of being gay. Le. Or equality. And, equality. you know, and gayness is already so entry level as yeah. it comes because, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, everybody now got Lady Gaga. Right? <laughs> so yeah, I think the thing that's like occurring to me is that you know like how we were saying earlier right that the thing that hasn't changed is our government's approach to homosexuality whereas like the whole like civil society environment and like the pop culture the, the, the mainstream the world like you know the young generation it, it's developed so much right since the aware saga that we started this episode with mm. like it's become it, it's looking more and more absurd is what I believe about the political situation here, the gay rights situation here. It's 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 getting more and more absurd that we have this law on the books. It's always been absurd, but now in the face of like all of this like progress on the matter, you know, all these different voices chiming in, the quality of these voices, the excellence of this material that's being produced about um about this issue and 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 the kind of like the mediocrity of everything that resists progress on this front mm. it's looking more and more absurd 
And I, I, I think like there's some hope on the horizon, I feel, amongst many people that I've talked to that, yeah, it's bound to happen. This repeal is bound to happen at some point. But I think we can't take that for granted because there's something very sinister about this place, right? That you, you just can never tell, mm. you know? And I think the, the, the culture war, so-called, that's happening in this country has yet to reach full term. I think that with developments around the world, as you know, happening as they are, you know, with the rise of the right wing in 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 the Western world and fascism and all that, right? It's like very hard to tell where this is gonna go. In fact, I feel like in Singapore there have been more and more curtailments of freedoms yeah. in 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 since the since the since aware co- saga since, since you know not just COVID, just yeah. like since various elections, right? You've seen things like POFMA detentions, arrests. Um, dissenters being brought to court. It's it's there's you know when I was talking to people maybe two three years ago there was this real depressing sense that things are actually getting worse what? politically and you know it's 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 scary and I don't know what to make of it really. Well, yeah. So, so this is where it's very interesting, right? Because like compared to a lot of other countries, which is what we like to do, right, in this mm. country, compare compare yeah. to other countries. Comparison you, is the spice of life. You you you. You know, we, we can always say, oh, look at all these other countries with Donald Trump, mm. with Boris Johnson, that, yep. you know, with the rise of nationalism around the world, mm. uh, that like we can say, oh, you know, we are, as Singapore have the moderate voice. And so we are better than that, mm. right? We are, you know, we're enjoying, you know, the, the reality is that we're enjoying like this very COVID-free-esque life. Right, right now, the, yeah, right because now. of all of this right, control, because of, right? Right, yeah. because of, of the way the government has, has managed, managed the mm. society, right? And... And so, is this is this sort of like, wow, you know, like look at them. They do all these things. Then they rise of nationalism, and then they have bad society. Mm. And look at us, we're so good, mm. right? But then at the same time, when you compare to like you know the left wing, the left wings of all these other countries, mm. we are considered more conservative, mm. you know. And so it's just like, no matter where you are on the spectrum, uh, Singapore uh, can. Can, can like chame- one, chamele- yeah. chameleon, chameleonize right? itself. Yeah, either way, it's not very good, lah. <laughs> right. So, like, to return to the aware podcast that started this whole episode, right? We've gone on a real, like, bender around around it, but it's because it's such a rich podcast that mm. like invites the listener to think about Singapore society and and all the kind of like turbulent undercurrents that have made it what it is and that continue to shape it. I think that it's such an important podcast. Like, I, I, I'm just so inspired by it. I think it's really one of the most significant, um, like, cultural, right. socio-political things to have come out of Singapore in a very yeah. long time. Yeah, I know. It's actually very interesting that it's happening now, mm. right? 10 years later. Like, mm. why? Right? That's right. my question. Like, why now? I, I think it's, on one hand, like, as they say, it's to commemorate this thing, right? But it's also, I think, a, a sign that perhaps we feel we've come we've come along enough from that time to be able to make this kind of thing and to put it out there and reflect, right? But at the same time, I think there's also something to be said about the weight of the intervening 10 or so years Mm. where it's inviting you to ask, right? Have things really changed that much? Have, are are things getting worse? Are things getting better? And, and, and also how has civil society changed in the wake of what has happened, right? So like, you know, I I think civil society has gotten sharper. Civil society has gotten smarter as Mm. a result. Right, and I think that's inspiring, but but more to that, I think it, it, it just what I think is so significant about the podcast is that it makes you really uncomfortable about life in Singapore. That there's this, you know, illusion we have of a very stable, calm society, right? But that there are forces at work mm. that are deeply 
disruptive in nature and that they might not be coming from the places you expect. It's not the dissidents. It's not the it's not the the progressive like woke kids who are disruptive necessarily, right? So this is a story of how that disruption has come from a force that's actually conservative in nature, yeah. and and it's it's a Which kind is very ironic, right? Yeah, it's a kind of disruption that is actually a lot more violent than anything that the progressive front has ever launched. I've talked to so many people about how like actually you know the, the what is so scary about this is how well organized and military the whole aware takeover was right and that no, that the progressive left wing or whatever in Singapore in so far as the left wing exists in Singapore which doesn't right has it doesn't have the same level of organization doesn't have the same level of like um you know it's not as well organized like basically and they would never go and like infiltrate an organization to yeah, take yeah, over yeah yeah but you, you have to remember that this is always going to be true of all progressives yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, inside and outside of Singapore correct, right? correct. because like you know it's, the, it's, the dispa- whole... it's disparate and open by design right right the yeah. whole project of progressiveness is to account for everybody in society mm. and conservatism is to return back to power of mm. a few lah, huh? right but I think the point still stands that if you if you look at the kind of hate speech that's being turned out on like forums like we are against pink dot and stuff mm. like that it, you know that kind of speech is not coming from us mm-hmm. you know I think it's an important reminder of like the lengths to which the right wing can and will go in this country to make its opinions heard and to and to exert, exert its will and to display its displeasure and it's a reminder from 10 years ago that this is actually still ongoing it's just in very different ways like you need only turn to um, the recent like kerfluffle around like um, this Instagram profile called regardless.sg which is basically kind of like a, an alternative opinions or alternative like a media platform which mm. is which takes a so-called object they, they, they want to put like an objective stance on local media and local reporting and local issues right so they created this Instagram profile and it's just really recently discovered that the people behind it are, are, are like all from the same church and like and like one of their opening salvos on their profile was to criticize CNN for its um, reporting on Elliot Page, you know uh-huh. the the transition yeah, of yeah. Elliot Page, um, you know, and they did and they did named Elliot Page by using their own name before right. their tra- before their transition and criticized CNA for having a liberal bias because and they it, they refer to Elliot Page as Elliot Page. Yeah, and in fact, like acknowledge that trans right. people exist. exist. So it's all this kind of like you know. Um, trying to balance out the liberal nature of like social media it's kind of like an anti-woke position right mm. but I, I I see there's something very similar here to the to the to the aware steeple jacking you know that in that it's trying to 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 to, to exert influence from the inside out to it's very insidious right it's 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 it's, it's like you know maybe it's not as flagrant and out there as the aware takeover but it's the same energy right I mean, I think the strategy is the same, mm. right? It's the, the same, the, yeah, yeah. Right, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah la, nothing has changed, lah. Yeah, but it's just it's, like, it's think, just the medium has changed because yeah. now it's like, oh yeah, it's yeah. easier to to target young people via yeah. Instagram and all that. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I think it's very important that more people listen to the Aware Podcast because it's presenting things in a fairly factual, in, in a factual way, mm. right? And like it's there's a very clear like um, not bias, but like angle yeah, to I, the storytelling. I, I think you know, as with any any documentary, there's always going to be a perspective. Correct. There's always going to be an it's, angle. Yeah, correct. Right. But you know, they've they've said very openly that they, you know, they've they've sort of I don't say olive branch, but they've given the opportunity to say, hey, come and tell your side of the story. Yeah. And all these people have said don't want all. Yeah. So sorry law, we asked you you don't want then how? So these are the facts based on, you know, again the re- the recordings of the meetings mm. on on what happened 
um, on on true things that happen. So there's like what nine more episodes to go. Yeah, it's gonna be like the most harrowing nine weeks of my life. But like must listen. Also okay. Yeah. Also because I'm in tech, right? So yeah. I have to shout out to the tech people who are doing this. So they also have all these additional material on the website. Oh, they do. Yeah, they have a timeline. So it's ah. like a very nice design, or a timeline that shows you like the events that are happening. And I believe they're updating the timeline as the episodes drop. Oh my god. So it's like live one eh. I mean, obviously it's not live lah, cause it's happened already. Girl, this is not just a podcast. It's an event. Correct. It's a media <laughs> event. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody please go and listen to the Aware Podcast Saga, saga. It's a 12 part saga One of the greatest sagas to have ever graced Singapore <laughs> Alright we've come to the end of today's oh Very no. special episode of T for Two The two in question being Joel Tan and Joel, Joel Kang Two Joels in the room Who yeah People go on cruise They don't get to appear on podcast law <laughs> <laughs> Chris got COVID. Uh. Mm, Chris got COVID. Uh. Oh, sorry. F- false positive. Oh, false positive. No, but although Kishan is still doing the very responsible thing of quarantining for a number of days after he comes back wow. on shore. Oh. Kishan very responsible, yeah, very you responsible. know. Very responsible. Shout out, shout out. Yeah. Mm. So it's educator. Correct, correct. And not like us, professional gays. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, thank you very much for listening today. This has been Joe Tan signing and, off. And Joe Kang. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.